Hey, this is Pastor Ellie, one of the lead pastors of Bold Church. I wanted to say thank you for joining us today. If you want to stay up to date on everything that's happening at Bold Church, want to live stream a service, or find out when our next gathering is, head over to bold.church. Enjoy the message. What is up? Who's excited for church? It's, it's, it's 10 a.m. You should have at least two cups of coffee. Let's try that again. Who's excited for church? If we have not met, my name is Ali, and uh, my beautiful wife and I, we started this place called Bold five years ago with a dream. We wanted to create a place where not only Christians could come and build their faith, because you are going to be challenged if you call this place home, but it's also a place if you're new to faith, exploring faith. Maybe you're here because your boyfriend invited you, and you you're, you're already know because your arms are crossed. Believe me, this is a place where you can ask questions, have doubt. It's a place where you can, listen, explore faith at Bold. And before we jump into the collection of talks, let me tell you some quick announcements. On the 5th of May, we are doing something we've never done before, all night prayer and worship. Three of you, awesome. Awesome. So from 8 to 9.30, we're going to do worship. And then from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m., we're going to be praying. There will be five other churches joining us, so it's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss it. And then on the 14th, can we make noise for all the moms who call this place home? Come on. God bless you guys. We have a gift for you. I got a great sermon. And then for those who have been coming for a while and want to take their next step, want to call this place home, your next step is growth track. Amen? And uh, we are in a collection of talks called... Beauty and the Beast. And for those of you that are new, this is Pablo over here, and this is Paula. And every year we do a relationship series where we highlight relationship issues because you guys got drama. Let's not even pretend you don't. Amen? And last week we kicked off this collection of talks with the title of the sermon, Pastor Ali, I'm Lonely. Someone say, I'm lonely. That loneliness is not the single condition, it's the human condition. And uh, today we're going to have a, a great subject. I just need audience participation before we begin. Show of hands. If you are married, raise your hand. Keep your hand up. If you've been married longer than a year, okay? Five years. Ooh, some hands. Ten years. Ooh, 20. 30. Okay, now at this point you're just bragging. Stop boasting. God bless you guys for being married for so long. The reason why I bring that up, it has been over 10 years since I've been in the dating game. It's a, like, a, 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 like a brave new world. I have no idea what some of you guys do. When I was dating back in 2012, Pastor Yaz, the weird people were on dating apps. And now if you're not on a dating app, you're weird. So it's different. So I, I had to do some research I'd never done before. I, I got some terms that will help all of us who feel out of touch with this generation, some terms that will help you understand this generation's dating. Amen? Ready? This first term, you, some of you may have heard this, ghosting. <laughs> ghosting. What is ghosting? Ghosting is when you start talking to somebody, and then out of the blue, you cut that person off. With no reason, no excuse, you just stop talking to that person. It gets better, though. You ready for this next term? Haunting. Haunt, I, this is, all of this is new except for the first term. Haunting is awesome. Haunting is ghosting. But when you ghost that person, you continue to linger on their social media apps. So you still follow them, you still look at their stories, but you don't respond to their texts. This next term called zombieing. 
crazy. Zombies, when someone you have ghosted suddenly decides to come back into your life after a long time as if nothing happens, they have essentially risen from the dead. I'm thankful they don't call this Jesusing. These next three, some of you need to write notes, take these down, what I call hey and pray. You got no game, so you say hey and then you pray. I don't care what you say, that's funny. These next two are shocking because they're real. This next one's called waldoing. Waldoing. Waldoing is when you attach photos to social media and dating apps, you make it difficult to discern who you are, leaving potential candidates asking, where's Waldo? And this next one is called groundhogging. Groundhogging. This one, this is going to make some of you uncomfortable. Groundhogging essentially explains the act of Dating the same type of person over and over again, but expecting different results. Come on. Ooh, that made some of you uncomfortable, and that's okay. And now I'm going to transition to preaching. And the, the way that we are doing relationships and dating does not work. I just read a recent article that says 65% of men between the age of 18 and 29 have essentially given up dating. They have quit, and this is why. With the abundance of choices on dating apps, young men are finding it difficult to deepen connections with a single person due to the fact of constant availability. When a minor red flag appears in a relationship that is otherwise going smoothly, why stick around and work on it when you have a thousand other choices? Oh, I want to preach to you on this idea, dating and marriage God's way. Y'all... Let's bow our heads and pray because I got a sermon for you. Amen. God, we just thank you so much for your word that you are going to speak to us. You're going to transform us. That There are going to be things that I say, God, that are going to be culturally, not politically correct, God. Have them send an email to idontcare.com. I pray, Jesus, that there are those in this room, God, that have not yet met you, Jesus. Would you reveal yourself? God, there are those in this room that know you, Jesus, but don't walk with you. Give them wisdom. Speak to them, Lord. And if you believe that, everybody said. Come on, everybody said. Can we make it up for Jesus real quick? Come on. So before I begin building on how to do dating and marriage, I need to identify two lies that we just believe in our culture. And the first one is this. Number one, that being single is bad. Being, we, especially if you're in the church, we, we like shame you. Like if you've been single long enough, like what's wrong with you? Do you have body odor? Do you have back hair? What's wrong? Why are you still single? And we almost shame the person believing that if you're single, it's sin. It is not a sin to be single. Let me just tell you that right now. Watch what it says in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 6. I'm not saying that you must marry, but you certainly may if you wish. Right there, single people, that's your verse. That's your verse. I wish everyone could get along without marrying just as I do. Think about that for a moment. The guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament is single himself. But we are not all the same. God gives some the gift. Someone say the gift the gift of a husband or wife, while others, he gives the gift. Someone say gift of being able to stay happily married. Listen, some of you are single and you're like, Pastor Ali, can I give this gift back? Is there a receipt with this gift? Because I don't want this gift. And the reason why God is saying it's a gift, listen, because you can serve God in a way that you're, when you're single, you can't when you're married. It's not that you're better. It's not that the quality is better, but the quantity is greater. Because when you have a spouse, when you have kids, your time is preoccupied with them. But when you're single, listen, you can give them things that you can't give anyone else. 
I remember there was a pastor in LA. He, he was at a conference recently about a year and a half ago, and he said he had written a book and it had gone bestseller. And then like a year and a half later, he wrote another book that had gone bestseller. This man wrote two books at a very young age that exploded in the Christian space. And then he didn't write a book for 10 years. And they asked him at this conference, why did you wait so long to write your third book? Did you not have a book inside of you? And he said, I, no, 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 it wasn't that I, I did. I got a hundred books inside of me. But the moment I got married, I realized I could never fill the potential that God had for me. That's going to make some of you uncomfortable. Because you think life is about your potential. Doing everything that you possibly can. You realize I am not called to reach my potential. I'm called to reach my calling. I'm called to, to be a husband and a spouse, to be a dad and a father to my kids, and I'm going to be judged on that. I wrote down like this, don't hate the season that, in life that you're in. Lean into your calling. Let me talk to the married people. Don't hate that, that you can't hang out with your friends anymore. Lean into your marriage. Date your kids. And if you're single, listen, stop complaining that you, you don't have a ring yet. This is the only time in your life where you can go get your master's degree, lean in and start that side hustle. If I was single, I'd be in like five different groups just to survey the land of this church. I'd be on three different teams trying to see, just, I want to know everyone, right? But if you're going to get married, listen, in this culture, you got to date. And you get a lot of things online. You can DoorDash food, you can Amazon Prime. You cannot Amazon Prime a husband, unfortunately. At least not legally, right? Not legally. But I wrote down like this, if you're going to date, it's to get married. Not because you want to make out, not because you're lonely. There is purpose in dating. And some of you are new to Christianity. Maybe you're here to support a friend or you saw our Instagram ad and you're wondering, Pastor, I don't even believe in marriage. Marriage is a man-made thing. It is a social construct. It is patriarchy to enslave women. And that's, that's totally fine for you to believe that if you believe it's man-made. But... If God created marriage, you can't hold that position. And the second lie is this. You need to write this down. Marriage is not man-made. Marriage is not man-made. It says is, but it's not man-made. That's the the lie. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I have two daughters, and they love building castles. We went from Legos, and now we have this thing called magnet tiles. Anybody know magnet tiles? Yes, these people had to pay $1,000 for three of these things because these things are so expensive. And my seven-year-old will build these immaculate castles, homes with a roof, and my four-year-old, it's the same shape. It's a square. Dad, look at my boat. It's a square. Dad, look at my plane. It's a square. And she gets upset that her older sister can build things that she can't build. And she'll make excuses for wanting her pieces. Dad, I need that piece. I need that roof, Dad. I'm like, honey, you have the same amount of pieces. Dad, and she will go over and try to break down her sister's castle because she w- wants that piece. I'm like, honey, you can't break that. She's like, why? My four-year-old talks back, pray for me. <laughs> so close to adoption. I'm like, honey, You can't break what you didn't create. I want to speak to a generation. You can't deconstruct marriage because you didn't construct it. Let me show you what the word of God says in 1 Corinthians, Matthew chapter 19. This is Jesus, by the way. And he answered, have you not read? Someone say read. Read. That he created them from the beginning to be male and female. Let me kind of highlight the context in which Jesus is speaking. In Roman culture in first century, there are six genders. Some of you think that this... LGBT movement that is so opposed to Christianity. Listen, you are always welcome in this church. 
But Jesus himself spoke into that culture and said, male and female. And then I'm labeled a bigot. I'm just repeating what Jesus said. We are not affirming, but we are always welcoming. And Jesus says this very powerful word, have you not read? He didn't say, have you not heard? Have you not heard, Pastor Ali? Patriarchy is done. Monogamy is broken. 50% of marriages end in divorce. It's over. You need to sleep with them before you got to test drive the car. And Jesus would speak to you and all of us. He would say, have you not read? I created this. You can't deconstruct what I created. And then he goes even further. He said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. One of the greatest counseling things that my wife and I deal with is that when a husband and wife get married, they still have greater ties to their parents than their new spouse. And the in-laws want to visit. And one spouse is like, I don't want them to stay with us. You're like, oh, my gosh, you're so mean, blah, blah, blah. Listen, you got to do what your spouse says. And if it makes you uncomfortable, that's okay, because you're supposed to leave your father and mother. Not that you don't love them and support them, but they're second on the totem pole to your wife. And the two shall become one flesh. Someone say one flesh. They are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined, what God designed, what God created, let no four-year-old, let no man separate. You can't destroy what God created. And the very first book of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, God walks Eve down the aisle and marries Adam and Eve. Long before there was a government, the foundation of every society is marriage. And then you go to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelations. Jesus has a massive feast, and we're all going to be at a, a, a long table eating a meal. It's the, the last meal in, the, in heaven. What is it for? The wedding of the, the bride of the Lamb, that Jesus is going to marry us. There's a wedding at the beginning of the Bible and a wedding at the end of the Bible. Why? Because God created marriage, but it's deeper than that. Watch what it says in Ephesians 5. As the scriptures say, and this is one of the most repeated phrases, a man shall leave his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two shall be united into one. This is a great mystery. Someone say mystery. But it is an illustration. AKA, it's a picture. What is it a picture of? A picture of the way that Christ and the church are one. Some of you, you have friends, you have family, you have neighbors who have never in their life been to church. They have no clue about the God that you worship. And they wonder why you wake up on Sunday mornings and you show up to this place when you could be sleeping in watching football. But even if they never come, they will see Christianity. They will understand because of the way you love your spouse. That when you love your spouse, when she doesn't deserve it. When you're faithful, even though she's not. When you serve, even though she doesn't deserve it. Why? Because in the same way, that's what God did for you. I love the Old Testament book of Hosea. Hosea is a book of the Bible where God comes to a prophet and says, I want you to marry a prostitute. He marries this prostitute. They have two kids, and she leaves him and goes back to that lifestyle. Then in chapter 3, he does the unthinkable. God comes again to Hosea and says, I want you to win her heart back. He's like, how? Hosea buys her back. Not, Not like to bring her home. He buys an hour with her. So imagine you're the husband and the dude's walking out the room like the red light district and you're walking in and she sees you and you're there with flowers and chocolate saying, I want, you, I want your heart back. And then the, in Hosea 3, it says, why did you have me do this? He's like, I want Israel to know this is how I loved you. When you're unfaithful, I'm faithful. This is why God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And when you receive that love, listen, you give that love. So the way you love your spouse is a picture, is an illustration of who God is. Amen. Now that I built that foundation, breaking down the myths, y'all ready? 
this is a very practical sermon. Last week I preached. Today I'm going to teach and go slow. Number one, before marriage. Someone shout before marriage. marriage. Go beyond feelings. If you're single, you better be taking notes right now. Jeremiah 17 verse 9. The heart is wonderful above all things. That's what I thought it said. Let Let me read it again. The heart is honest above all things. Let me try one more time. The heart is amazing above all things. And that's how we would describe ourselves. But can I read how God describes you? The heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately sick. Who can trust it? What is he saying? Don't trust your feelings. The person that lies to you the most is yourself. You, last week we talked about this, this collection of talks. We, we kicked off with a dude named Jacob and he married two sisters. Jake, Jacob married Leah and he married Rachel. Leah, the Bible says, had no sparkle in her eyes. Pastor I wasn't here last week. What does that mean? She's busted. She's ugly. <laughs> Think about how ugly you have to be, the Bible, to call you out. <laughs> then at the same time, her sister, the Bible says, only uses this language with three women. She was beautiful in form and appearance. Imagine how difficult it would be to have your sister be like the top ten most beautiful girl in the world and you're the top bottom most ugly people in the world. And I didn't mention this last week, but Rachel gave Jacob all the feels. Like blood went to somewhere else, right? Every time he saw her. Yes, we're going there. (laughs) But I didn't mention this last week. She was an idol worshiper. She was a liar. She was verbally and emotionally abusive to her husband. But she was hot. She was bad on the outside. But listen, she was very bad on the inside. Leah, on the other hand, she was busted. She loved her husband. Never once in the scriptures does she ever say anything derogatory or negative towards her husband. She served her husband, loved her husband, even in the face of rejection. And in that culture, the greatest gift a wife could give her husband is not crypto or stocks or sex, is children. And she gave her husband six children. Rachel gave her husband the fields. Leah Gave her husband fruit. I wrote it like this. You want to write this down. Are you going to be the person? Are you going to be with the person who produces feelings or the person who produces fruit? Because some of you choose your mate, excuse my language, with your penis and not your brain. And then you come up with me, Pastor Al, we have relationship problems. Why did you pick that person to begin with? Because you picked it all based on appearance and not on character. Anyone can give you the feels. You can have a good Friday. God wants to give you a good legacy. And remember, Pastor Yaz and I, we we love doing this. We're secretly matchmakers. We love going up to people like, have you thought about this person? And and we always hear, he's too short. I'm like, short people, I got your back. I'm like, come on, he's a good man. No, Pastor Yaz, he's not my type. I'm like, let's talk about your type for a second. Because the last three relationships, one broke your heart, one cheated on you, one was verbally abusive. Maybe, girl, you need a new type. Oh. Pastor Ali, he's not, he's not exciting. Tell me what exciting is. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Honey, half of those things are illegal. <laughs> Do you want godly or an ex-inmate? What are you looking for? And then it's, it's not that guys are any better. Like, Pastor Ali, I, oh my gosh, I don't want someone who's basic. Ugh. 
basic? Because you don't want her boobs hanging out? What are, you, what are you talking about? You want someone who's immodest? No, that means she has character. Maybe you're not her type, actually, because she's looking for a man, not a boy. And what's crazy to me is that we will put all of our hope in dating and in our heart. Do you know the Bible never talks about dating? Do you know why? Because it's a modern construct. Dating in 1920 was a term that men would use when they would go out to, with a prostitute. I'm going on a date. And in the 1950s and 1960s, dating, the term changed because men, the middle class family in America could own cars. So the man, instead of going to the woman's house and hanging time with the, the father and the mother and the family, dating her in the context of her family, he could now take his car to her house and take her away from the family. And that's when the dating scene changed. Why? Because every generation except for ours knew this truth. This is from a theologian. He says this, the reason why moms and dads did that, why they were involved in dating, is because at the time there was a belief that choosing of a life partner was considered far too serious of a matter to be left to emotional impulses. I wrote like this, healthy dating happens in community. Why? Because the heart is deceitful above all things. After marriage, someone say after marriage. Married couples go beyond feelings. What are you saying, Pastor? You want, you want me to like love my wife the way a notebook and build her house? And like, yes, I want you to do that. But, but what you got to realize, you got to move from love being a noun to a verb, from being an emotion to a choice, from a feeling to a decision. Because psychologists will tell you that the, the butterflies, the feelings of love, where you're on like cloud nine, you're pumping gas, you're like, oh my God, I can't wait to see her. That, that goes away. It's 12 to 36 months. The question is, what, what will you do when that's gone? Who, how will you love your spouse when you don't feel like it? Wrote down like this, real love is what you do when you're not feeling it. When you're not feeling it. I said this before, but Pastor Yaz and I have been married for now probably 10 years. 10 years. Uh, we dated, listen, for 18 months before we got married. To this day, can I be honest? Someone say yes. yes. My wife will take off her socks and I'll just linger because the best is yet to come, right? I'm like, I'm a man of faith. I'm believing for more. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm godly. I'm just waiting. I love my wife, but can I be honest? Someone say yes. There have been multiple times in 2023, I had to physically leave the room. She was so annoying. Can I be even more honest? Someone say yes. There have been times in the last two weeks, she's had to leave the room because she's so annoyed with me. I'm just being 100% honest. Love is not a feeling. We have never stopped loving each other. Why? Because it's a choice. I'm so sick and tired. I don't, I don't feel it anymore. I want to out. I don't want to serve him. I don't feel love. I'm not going to give him sex. I'm not going to serve him. I'm not going to provide. I don't feel it. And our culture celebrates that. They say, do you, boo-boo. Do you. Do what feels good. That is the dumbest thing I've heard in my entire life. Listen, you know what feels good? Eating Taco Bell. <laughs> if I only did what feels good, I would be the most busted person in this room. Come on. Can I give you something countercultural that many of you have never believed and don't realize? Happiness is not the goal of a marriage. Happiness is the byproduct of a healthy marriage. 
Listen, let me tell you the truth. You already know this about other areas of your life, but you don't apply it to marriage. Listen, the gym, the gym sucks. If you say, I love the gym, you are a liar. <laughs> liar. Let me know how I know. Because the gym requires pain. The gym requires sweat. I went to the gym with my wife this last, this last weekend, and on the wall it says, if you're not sweating, you're not doing honey. Like, and it's acknowledging the fact that going to the gym sucks and it's painful. If I could give you a pill that give you the results of the gym, none of you would ever go. And you know what they call people who clinically love pain? They're called masochists. It's not that the pain that you love, it's the byproduct of what the gym gives you. In the same way, no one loves suffering. No one loves unhappiness. But the happiness is the byproduct of a healthy marriage. Listen, imagine if I only fed my kids when I felt like it. They would all die. They, they would be dead. I don't feel like it. If I only ate healthy food because I felt like it, I would, I, I'd be massive. I don't like taking vitamins. I, listen, I don't like going to bed in the morning, but the byproduct of having energy in the morning is what I'm after. Let's make this super practical. When you are arguing with your wife, it feels good to win. But humility says, I'm going to keep my mouth shut because God gave me two ears and one mouth. I need to listen twice as much as I speak. Let's make it super practical. My wife, she is a dirt Nazi. I'm not even in the house. Take your shoes off. I'm, I'm outside. My foot's not. Take it off. I'm like, honey, these are high tops. It takes five. Please. The cleaner is coming tomorrow. Let me give one. Do you think I want to take my shoes off? It doesn't make me happy. Listen, in 10 years, I have not had the window aisle because Pastor Yasmin wants it. Do you know the guy on the, in the middle always farts? And she doesn't know. I have to smell it. I suffer because I love her. Why are you complaining about serving your wife? Why do you complain about giving her what she most needs when she doesn't deserve it? When God did that for you. Listen, you already know when you go to the gym, it takes work. Why do you not bring that same mindset? Marriage is work. Marriage is work. Single people, before marriage, ask questions. Someone say, ask questions. You need to know who you're marrying. No, Pastor, I, I know them. You do not, okay? You know they like Taco Bell, their favorite team is the Niners. You don't, you know, maybe they like Nikes. You don't know them. Let me just be honest. You don't know them. You have, you know the, the representative of who they are. You know their ambassador. Because when you're on a first date, the only thing that men are thinking, this is a no fart zone, right? <laughs> I can't be crazy. I can't do it. Because you're putting on your best for her. That's not the real you though. Can I explain my first date and kind of shame myself and explain? The first time Pastor Yaz and I went on a date, I showed up not just with one bouquet, but with two. Because I, I knew I got one shot. This girl's out of my league. I need to do everything I can to win her. I show, and then when she was like, wow, wow. Then when we went to the car, listen, I opened the door. I said, honey, get Please. Then when we got to the place, I said, stay in the car. Let me open the door for you. She's like, dude, this is amazing. This is who I am. This is who I am. This is who I am. Putting on my best for her. Listen, after we've been married, my wife knows. I, God is my witness. I've opened the door maybe 
10 times since we've been married. Talk about it, yes. And every time I do, she goes, you want sex, don't you? What are you why are you doing this? this is, why? Because we give our, that partner our best. It's a show. It's not really who they are. And if you fall in love with how they make you feel, you'll never fall in love with who they really are. Ask questions. If you don't, I wrote down this. If you don't ask questions, now you're going to be asking yourself questions later. Why did I get into this? Can we go there? These are going to make some of you uncomfortable, and that's okay. Ladies, you're going to want to write these down. Ask this question. What's your name? Doggo? What's your birth certificate? Dagoberto? Is that really? <laughs> Are you going to want to call our son Dagoberto? Because I, I need to know what I'm getting into. Can I meet your dad? Because I want to see what the, what the potential of who you're going to become. Can I see your mom? Do you even have a relationship with your mom? Can you talk? Because the way you treat her is going to how you treat me. Do you have a job? How long have you had that job? Can I see your FICO score? Talk about it. I need to know what I'm getting into. Do you watch porn? When's the last time you watched porn? Can I see your browser history? Talk about it. <laughs> Fellas, can we go there? These are the questions you should ask her. Do you like to eat? Because why aren't you eating right now? Are you always going to work out? Or are you going to stop once we get married? I love your hair. Is it real? <laughs> did you buy it on credit or did you pay it fully? I need to know what I'm getting into. What do you look like in the morning? Because some people, they use a paintball gun to, you know, make themselves look like Rachel. Can I FaceTime you in the morning? Because I want to see what you look like in the morning. Talk about it, Pastor Alley. I'm trying. And then I get every once in a while, people say, push back. Pastor Alley, we get along like angels. We never fight. You are dating a demon, okay? Because <laughs> real people, they fight. You want to see how they respond when they're angry. Do they cuss? Do they yell? Are, they, are they the kind of person that cuts you off for three days and, and unfollows you on every social media and blocks your number? Or do they just sit next to you and not even talk to you? Just give you the fizz face for two days. <laughs> you need to know. Because here's the shocking part. Every time when you sit down with a couple, they go, oh my gosh, Pastor Ali, they're so mean. I go, tell me about it. They go, they do this. I go, when you were dating them, were they doing this? They go, yes. Then why are you surprised? Here's why. You date potential, but you marry patterns. You date, you are not a stock fund hedge fund investor, okay? You're not trying to buy them low so they go up high. Who they are today is who they're going to be after you married them. No, Pastor Al, you're so mean. Ugh, God can change them. I have faith. Awesome, honey. I wrote down like this. God can change them, but don't get involved until he does. You are not their savior. You are not their miracle worker, changer, transformer. Let Jesus be Jesus. And actually, when you are dating someone that you want to change and transform, it reveals your lack of faith, not his goodness. Because why would God have you be the fixer of someone else when he wants someone to be co-laborer with you? Amen? Let's keep going. Before marriage. At before marriage. Next one. Ask questions. Or after marriage. Forgive me. After marriage. Ask questions. One of the biggest complaints Pastor Al and I get when we sit with couples, they go, Pastor Al, you don't understand. We're not in love anymore. 
they're a different person. They're, they've changed. It's okay. How many of you in this room were born in the 80s? This is the only generation I, I, I relate to. If you're older than me, you're too old. If you're younger than me, you, you're entitled. That's just the truth. So the 80s, listen. My generation, we grew up on Dr. Dre, Tupac, Biggie, Snoop. We did not live hip-hop, but we listened to hip-hop, okay? I promise you, I can go to your house and find pictures of you identifying as black and in the hood, even though that's not who you are. Take those pictures and show the 35-year-old version of you. Look at this dude. You'd be like, oh my gosh, I've changed. Why are you okay with you changing, but you're not your spouse changing? People change. There's a book by Tim Keller called The Meaning of Marriage. It's probably the best book on marriage I've ever read. He says, I've been married for 40 years. Listen, to seven different women. They've all been, but it's been one spouse. Because every couple of years, she changed. I remember I had to learn this the hard way in my marriage. When my wife and I first got married, my wife is addicted to coffee. Please pray for me. Uh, we're single-handedly funding the stock value of Starbucks. <laughs> but my wife would buy the same coffee, black with three-pump sweetener, black with three-pump sweetener. And one day I texted Pastor Yaz. I'm like, honey, do you, do you want anything? She's like, and, she used, and I used this language because she used it. My regular. My regular. So I show up thinking I'm awesome, this amazing husband. I'm going, honey, here's your coffee. And she looks at it and goes, what is this? I'm like, this is your regular. She goes, I haven't drank that in six months. Do you even love me? Are, are you even paying attention? I'm like, what? What do you drink? She goes, and she lists off this, like, magic voodoo thing. Can I re- Listen. My wife has been drinking the same coffee for the last 18 months. When I wrote this sermon three weeks ago, it has changed already. <laughs> can, I, can I read you what it was three weeks ago? Stop. I got to go there. <laughs> Dopio? Well, I don't even know if that's an English word. Extra sweet vanilla cream cold brew. This is like just six random words. I just put it together. <laughs> three pumps brown sugar. Three shots of espresso. Shake it, not stir, because she's a double O agent, Okay. I go, what do you mean that's not your, you don't drink that anymore? She goes, are you paying attention? Like angry with me that she changed and didn't let me know. And then I remember a few years later, it was like the epiphany went off. The, the, the realization that my wife was literally a different person and I needed to continue this journey of discovering who she was. We were on a date and I'm like, hey honey, you never wear this color anymore. And she was like, yeah, it's not my favorite color anymore. I was like, What? And in my, like time froze because I've had the same favorite color since the fourth grade. <laughs> and I remember looking at her, I'm like, you're cheating on me. What's his name? What's, if you just, I'll take you back. Just tell me what's his name. And that's still an inside joke in our marriage. What's his name? I'm like, what do you mean your color, your favorite color changed? Listen, I wrote down like this. You know who you married. Now get to know who you're married to. Your spouse has changed. Do you realize that? And that's the journey of marriage. You're not married to a static person. You're married to a person who's changing. And that the journey of following and falling in love with them is continually following them as they change. What's their favorite coffee? And listen, something as dumb and as silly as what's your favorite color, it may have changed. It may give you a heart attack the way it gave me. 
I'm like, you're either a serial killer or you're cheating on me. How can your color change? But that's the reality. Your spouse has changed. Do you recognize it? Or are you in love with the person they were 10 years ago or the person in front of you right now? After marriage, ask questions. I need every married person to pull out their cell phone. Pull out your cell phone. If you're single, don't do this. Take a picture of that or that QR code goes to a list of questions that I want you to go on a date with and ask them. These are questions to get to know your spouse. To, to go on this journey of discovering who they are. And single people, I'm telling you, some of those are X-rated. You don't want to go there. Keep, keep going. Before marriage, have fun and be creative. Have fun and be creative. Listen, if you're dating someone, put in some effort. Try. I remember when Pastor Yaz and I first went on a date. Listen, we did not go to San Jose. We went to San Francisco. And before we went to dinner, I took her to this little cute, quaint restaurant. We had chips and salsa because spirit-filled people have chips and salsa. And then we went to dinner. And then on the way back, I brought her out home at a reasonable hour. At the end of the day, I spent a bunch of money. Some of you are like, that's way too much money. It's not an expense. It's an investment. Come on. Some of you don't. It, listen, ladies, if he's not putting in effort now, it's only get worse after you get married. Because men are not like wine. We don't get better with age. We become less creative, less involved as time goes on. Just putting it out there. And fellas, you'll never hear this, but you are not marrying your, uh, your wife's body. You're marrying her soul. So when the beauty fades and the testosterone dwindles, all that's left is friendship. If you're not having fun now, it's the foundation of marriage is not sex. It's friendship. Friendship. After marriage. After marriage. Have fun and be creative. Have fun. Listen, I, I tell every couple at least twice a month, go on a date. And put in the same effort you would when you were dating as you would. It means you can't go in gym clothes. Can't go in athleisure. You got to take a shower. Then you got to shave. Fellas, come on. Take the same shorts that you wear in your home every day. Put on some real clothes. Put the same effort you took to get her, put the same effort to keep her. How valuable is she to you? In this, listen, in the book of Proverbs, in the book of Psalms, it says in Psalm 30, his mercies are new every morning. So God doesn't love you with the same love he does. That's right. He gives you new love. And then in Psalm 33, it says that sing to the Lord a new song. Why? Because God wants fresh worship. And his love for you is fresh. And his pursuit of you is fresh. And when you receive new love and new mercy from God, give your spouse the same new mercy and new love. Amen? Now, every example I've been given is before and after marriage. Before and after marriage. This next one is for everyone in the room. Are you all ready? Before and after marriage, pray. Prayer is not our last resort. It's our first response. Before you say yes, pray. Before you ask her out, pray. If you're engaged, pray. If you're married, pray. If you're single again. Before you jump in another relationship, ask God, Lord, am I, is my heart ready? So many times I see couples start and they have conflict. It's because one is still hurting from the last relationship. Look what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. But seek first. Someone say first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. It doesn't say seek your spouse first. 
says, seek him first. Seek him first. And all these things will be added unto you. This is going to hurt. It's going to sting. The reason your relationship with your spouse sucks because the reason your relationship with God sucks. It's a reflection. It's a reflection. Nine out of ten times when I'm in a fight with my wife, I need to pray and go, Lord, why would you give her to me? God goes, it's you. Dang it. I'm not laughing. I wrote like this. After you pray for clarity, pray for courage. Have the humility to say, I'm sorry. You'll never feel like it, but when you're in this presence, he'll give you courage. And some people push back, go, Pastor Al, you don't understand. I'm 99% sure they have a demon. The problem is them. And what you end up doing is yelling at them, condemning them. And you may be right, but my question is, have you prayed about it first? I wrote like this, process with God before you process with them. Man, I have to this day never heard God raise his voice to me. Never shame me for falling short. Never condemn me for my sin. It was his goodness and his kindness, Romans 2, 4, that led me to repentance. Come on, you really think yelling at your spouse is going to change them? You can't even change you. I wrote like this, ask the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. Before you vent to them, go vent to God. I get everyone to pray and stand in this moment. I told you this sermon is super practical. Super practical. I want to pray for four groups of people this morning. I want to pray for the single people in this room. That you would be encouraged. You would have wisdom to go beyond feelings. To ask questions. And to have fun and be creative. I pray, Lord, for every single person in this room, God, that has been told a lie. That has been fed these beliefs by culture. But God, your way is the best way. God, you, you want us to have life and life abundantly. God, you, you don't just want us to have the average life, but the best life. God, but it's hard. Teach us to surrender. I pray, Lord, that there are those in this room that are single again. That maybe through divorce, maybe their, their spouse passed away. God, would you encourage them? Would you heal their broken heart? That when they are pursued again by another suitor, reveal to them if their heart is ready. God, I pray for those in this room that are married, that feel like quitting. God, they would go beyond their feelings. And they would begin to pursue their spouse again. And they would make it fun and creative like they did in the beginning. I pray for those, Lord, in this room that are heartbroken, that their marriage is on the rocks. And they need hope because they feel like quitting. God, would you give them a vision that you loved us with an everlasting love. And God, you are in the business of bringing dead things back to life. If you can bring your dead son back from the grave, you can bring a dead marriage back from the death as well, Lord. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I just want to speak This is not a self-help talk. This is not a 
a collection of, that's more than just about relationships. It's about, it's about Jesus. It's about giving the word of God in a way that's understandable and relatable. And we worship Jesus in this church. And he's the living God. And 2,000 years ago, in our brokenness, in our sin, God left heaven and became a man. Perfect God lived a sinless and perfect life. The infinite became finite. Fully God, fully man. And he didn't come to give us a religion. He came to, to die on a cross for our sin. Because the gap between us and God can never be bridged with good works, good thoughts, or good deeds. The wage of sin is death, Jesus says. And he came to die on a cross for your sins. He lived the life that you and I couldn't live because he wanted to die the death that you and I were supposed to die. And this room is not filled with good people. It's filled with forgiven people. And before you will ever have a relationship with the redemption of God, you need to receive that redemption. You need to love that God is committed to you when you're unfaithful. He loves you and will never leave you or forsake you. you. It is impossible to give it until you first receive it. And if you have never received the love of God, the salvation that is free, God loves you enough to bring you to this church because he wants a relationship with you. We don't just come and sing karaoke for 30 minutes. No, we're trying to create an environment where you can have a, a, a blind date with the living God. And he's been pursuing you. He was the one that drew you here. And he wants a relationship with you. And the question you're probably asking is, what do I need to do, Pastor Ali, to become a Christian? So simple. Simply believe. Simply believe that he died on a cross for your sin. The work of a Christian is faith. So you can close your eyes and bow your heads. God, I believe by faith that this room is full of people, God, that are exploring what Christianity is about. And they felt this tug on their heart about a God who loves us when we're unfaithful. A God who will never leave us or forsake us. And something inside of them is tugging to say yes to you, Jesus. And if that's you this morning and you want to say yes to the living God who wants a relationship with you, on a count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up. You're not saying yes to me or this church. You're saying yes to the living God. His name is Jesus. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up. Shoot your hand up. That's you. I see your hand. Yes, yes, yes. Everyone pray this prayer out loud with me. Thank you, Jesus.